welcome to another episode of Boba Talk, a podcast about Bobo with a side of life. Have sweet. I'm Monica. And I'm Kathleen. And thanks for tuning in as we review another Boba spot here in the Bay Area and talk adulting 101. Let's go! Hey, it's Monica. Before we jump into this episode, we wanted to lay out our disclaimer. No Milk Tea Spot has paid us to review. These were purchased on our own and are strictly based on our own taste buds and preferences. Enjoy! Alright, we're back. It's been a hot minute, but real life is happening. So, glad to be back here with Kat doing another Boba review. And as we said in our last episode, it's going to be break time tea in Campbell. Um, But before we get started, let's hit this episode with the Boba fact. Um, so apologize in advance. I'm going to be butchering these Chinese words, so my apologies. Um, but the fact is, in 1988, the owner of a tea house chain in Taichung, Taiwan, was sitting at a boring staff meeting and brought with her a typical traditional Chinese dessert called Fen Wan, which is a sweetened pudding with tapioca balls. Um, to entertain herself, she poured the tapioca balls into her Assam iced tea and drank it. Um, the drink was so well received that it quickly outsold all of the other iced teas, um, constituting the bulk of their sales. So I guess that is kind of how boba came to be. Um, and we found this uh, boba fact on a CNN article, and we'll link it in the description for you guys to kind of take a look. Cool. All right, Kat, let's get to the goods. All right. All right, what is your you, what is your drink for this episode? As you all know from the first episode, I always get the taro. So I have a taro green milk tea today uh, with soy, less sweet. I'm sticking with the OG roasted oolong milk tea with boba, less sweet. Don't really know the percentage of it just because break at break time tea, um, you know, usually at boba places they kind of have like a sugar level breakdown, 50, 25, um, but I just told them less sweet. Right from the look of it, I see that this, that at break time tea, their taro is purple. It's not super bright purple like you see in other boba shops. This is more of like a purple gray. So it's more of like a muted purple. Um, uh, like I said, a, a gray, like a grayish purple. So I guess maybe per- periwinkle is more the right color. Um, it's also mixed with green milk tea, so mm. it's not a taro milk like at Fantasia. It has green tea in it. Um, I do see little thick things on the bottom, so I don't I haven't tried it yet. So I don't know if they did another blending of puree or if it's Thicken powder, I'm not sure, um, but I will have a taste. Oh, I don't have any toppings in mine, <laughs> FYI. Okay, so my initial reaction is there's not a lot of taro taste going on. Um, I taste the green tea for sure. The green tea is very pronounced in this drink. Um, There's also a little bit of that puree, so I think 
that break time does use a little bit of that muddled taro in here. Um, and they probably use food coloring mm. of some sort or mix it with powder. I'm not exactly 100% sure, but that's what it seems like to me because I do taste that muddled taro like they did put taro in here and possibly mix it with some um, uh, coloring or, or powder because, like I said, it's not super, super purple. It's not that bright purple that people tend to think of when they see a taro drink. It's more gray, so maybe that was a mixture of the muddled taro and the color. So I like it. Uh, the aftertaste that I, that I taste is taro. The taro is coming out the more I have it in my mouth, but definitely for sure I taste a lot of green tea. A lot of green tea, not too much taro until the end. The aftertaste is more taro. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So I guess out of your tea, your boba, and your overall. Well, I can't say anything about the boba because I don't have any. Uh, um, but the, I'd say with the tea, I would give it a 8 out of 10. Uh, the green tea really comes out in this drink. Um, it's it's actually really good. I really like the green the green tea that comes out. So mm -hmm. I am definitely would like to try their green milk tea or if they have a jasmine milk tea. I would like to try that. The taro, it just doesn't come out. I don't really taste it. It's barely there. So overall, as a taro milk tea, I would probably give this a 6 out of 10. Okay. Um, if this was a green milk tea, I'd probably give it a, a lot higher grade. But since it's supposed to be taro, I don't taste. I don't really taste it. That's fair enough. Fair enough. Okay, so roasted oolong milk tea. Let's give it a try. So right off the bat, I can really taste, you know, the nuttiness of what a roasted oolong is supposed to taste like. Um, but also. I think with break time milk tea, they did a really good job of mixing in the milk, um, you know, balancing it out with the sweetness as well. It's it's sweet, but it's not overpowering, which is, you know, nice. I always enjoy that. Um, and then the boba, I would say it's a really good texture. It's chewy. Um, it's, it's firm, but it's not too firm where, you know, it tastes like that old boba taste, I guess you can say. Um, so I guess overall, um, tea wise, I would give it a solid eight and a half. It's really, really good. Boba wise, I give it a nine and a half out of 10. And I guess overall, I would give this a solid, like 8.75. It's pretty good. Really, really good. Add the points. <laughs> We gotta get technical here. Um, but no, I, I will say break time tea. Um, and keep in mind, Kat and I have never been here before. This is our first time trying it. So um, I would give it a thumbs up. It's really good, really good. Yeah. Uh, as I'm continually sipping on this taro green milk tea, I am really not tasting much taro. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I think I'm gonna have to downgrade that 6 out of 10 to a 4 out of 10 because the drink is still very good. 
I actually really enjoy it, but because its name is Taro Green Milk Tea, really all I'm tasting is green milk tea. So I don't know if, so that gives me an idea of maybe they did use muddled taro and it's mm. being overpowered by the green milk tea. Um, so I like it a lot. I just don't really taste that taro, but I gave it a four because I do like that there's taro bits, like taro, pureed taro on the bottom that I'm, that I'm kind of chewing. So I do like it. So uh, overall, um, as a milk tea spot, not trying their signature drink yet, I would give it similar to Monica, like a 9 out of 10. Uh, but just the taro alone, because I don't taste any taro or barely there, I would give it a 4. Yeah. Well, with that said, as always, we have the Boba Shop's signature drink, which in their case is their classic milk tea. Um, with no adjustments, it is what it is, I guess 100% sweet with regular ice, um, with boba, and yeah. Alright, first sips. You guys can't see, but I'm giving you that like gross face. I don't know how I feel about this. Yeah, um, it's really sweet. It's very sweet. It's, it's syrupy. I taste the syrup, the sweetener that they use. And it's, the tea definitely comes out though. It does, it does. The tea flavor definitely comes out. But compared to the last episode where I said how it tastes like a tastes very similar with Fantasia. It tastes very similar to the Taiwanese Hong Kong style milk tea. I think Break Time Tea uses Earl Grey. It tastes very similar to an Earl Grey tea, but it's Earl Grey itself is a strong a strong tea on its own, but this is very syrupy, like. 100% sweet, or the regular sweetness, is sweet. And I don't really taste any of the milk that comes through. I literally just taste sweetened tea. Tea. Yeah. Like, like a, like a, um, what's that tea in the South? Sweet tea? Yeah, like sweet tea. It tastes like sweet tea, but with Earl Grey. I mean, I feel like I, I kind of have to agree with you on there. Obviously, yes, it is very very sweet like like what Kat was saying you literally just taste the tea flavor and just the sh the syrup um I will say that in my opinion personally it tastes like the very heightened sweet version of <laughs> the Fantasia classic milk tea that we had last week yeah and I wholeheartedly disagree with that but we each have our different... Our palettes are, are very, very different. different. Yeah. You know, clearly because of the drinks that we choose. But, I mean, I think I think it's safe to say we can both agree that it's just... Super sweet. Super sweet and just, in my opinion, it's a very overpowering. Um, but if we were to give it out of 10 for tea and for boba and overall, 
I would say for me personally, a tea wise, I'd have to give it like a two. Yeah, I would agree with you there. Like tea wise, probably like a. I'm not a huge fan of Earl Grey, so that's probably why too. But it's, I would give it like a three out of ten. Mm -hmm. um, I will review the boba though because Monica had boba in hers. Mm -hmm. And I agree with her. The boba is actually really delicious. Mm -hmm. It's soft. It's chewy. Good amount of gooeyness. Mm -hmm. um, it's It has that nice, I'm going to use this word a lot when I describe boba. It has a very nice mouthfeel where it's, it, it's just really good boba. So I would give this boba, yeah, like a 9 out of 10. It's pretty much what boba should taste like yeah. essentially yeah so yeah. very good job to them kudos for them um but overall for me i'd probably give it like a two and a half yeah their signature drink just because i just it reminds me of just sweet tea i would give it a three out of ten but what i do want to commend with break time tea is i haven't had monica's oolong but just based off of the taro green milk tea and their signature, the tea flavor really comes through. Mm -hmm. So if you're those if you're one of those people who is very gung ho about wanting to taste that tea, mm -hmm. it's this place is really good. And just based off of Monica's review regarding the oolong, um, it's then I think what I said is correct is that the tea just is really comes out and it's really good really good stuff i would say the quality of the tea mm -hmm. is is pretty good um you know from all the bobas that i've had before just because of all the roasted oolongs that i've had and you know however long i've been drinking it, it it's funny because some some of it tastes better and some of it doesn't taste better it's really a weird way to describe it but um, from what Break Time Tea has had and what Fantasia has had, I really like that tea flavor and it comes very, very strong, I guess you can say, versus like the other places that I've had before in the past where it's kind of like very weak and the milk and the sweetness kind of overpowers it in a way. Agreed. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, that is your review of Break Time Tea. If you guys go check it out or try out our drinks, um, just let us know what you guys think. By the way, guys, this is just like not a fun fact, but kind of a fun fact, I guess. Because Kat is so that type of person, <laughs> she actually called Break Time Tea to double check what kind of tea that they use in their classic milk tea. And you know what? She was right. Earl Grey! Earl what Grey! <laughs> So, yeah, you, there's nothing that she can't get away with. She has a very, very sophisticated palette. I will give her that. I wouldn't say sophisticated. I think it's just because I like trying different things, and I've gone tea tasting. Um, I can recognize a couple of teas. Not every tea, but a couple. And Earl Grey is a very, has a, has a very significant taste. Dis distinct taste. taste, yeah. And also, you guys can't see, but I'm, like, shaking my head at her right now. The fact that she called them, but... I gotta prove my point. <laughs> <laughs> respect, respect.
Now that we have our drinks in hand, we will briefly discuss what adulting is and what it means to us. A quick Google search defines adulting as the practice of behaving in a way characteristic of a responsible adult, especially the accomplishment of mundane but necessary tasks. I know the last five months have been pretty disruptive on everyone's lives, and on top of that, the last week the Bay Area has been engulfed in smoke due to these crazy wildfires. As Monica said, life is happening, and part of the reason why episode 2 took so long to record was because my parents' home was about half a mile away from mandatory evacuation, and I needed to make sure things were taken care of, which is ultimately what adulting is about. I define it as continually learning about oneself, growing to the best person one can be, establishing reachable goals over time, and being true to oneself. And I define you know adulting as continuously learning to be independent and responsible as you grow into the adult your 18-year-old self imagined to be. Um, so I would say we have pretty similar definitions in a way. So actually took a look on the Google web and we found an article by Apartment Therapy um, called The Seven Pillars of Adulting. And with that, it kind of gives us, I guess, the basis or the foundation of what adulting is. According to this article. According. So what they have is financial basis, basic cooking skills, health and wellness, household handiness, basic organizational skills, career development, and communication. But um, I think for Kat and myself, we're just going to be talking about the ones in depth that are important to us. Right. So surprisingly, or not so surprisingly, Monica and I actually have the same three most important to us out of the seven, which are financial basis, health and wellness, and career development. Yeah, that is correct. How do you, how did you kind of develop into kind of, you know, what you're doing now? And for people that don't know, um, Kat's actually a little bit older than I am, so you, you know, have a little bit more experience than I do, but how did you kind of, you know, get to where you are right now? Uh, well, I am 33, and Monica, you are? 29. So I am four years older, but for me, I actually didn't start my career that I'm in now until age 29. Um, I, grad I graduated in 2004, uh, worked a little bit for three years, and then decided to go to nursing school um, at 26. So if you think about it, you know, people have this notion some people have this notion that they already need to figure out what they want to do right out of college. That wasn't the case for me. Um, I took a job at a market research company and wanted to just take it to get work experience. I ended up staying for three years and part of the reason why I stayed for so long was because I did get comfortable. And when I finally decided that I wanted to leave, I ended up getting pigeonholed and I felt like the only positions that I could apply to were market research positions and that wasn't something that I wanted to do for the rest of my life. I always wanted to be in the healthcare industry which is why um, nursing school was a plus. Initially I wanted to be a physician, uh, OBGYN to be exact, but I didn't want to go to medical school or, or take that so many years. So. Nursing was the next best choice, and I think ultimately that was the 
best choice compared to a second a second choice because it had everything that I wanted in a career. So fast forward, I'm 29 and I started working as a nurse. So I started my financial journey, I guess, at a later age. Um, I didn't really have retirement. Um, I didn't have much savings. And I have a shit ton of loans. Um, a ton of loans. Like, an obscene amount of loans from nursing school. But that was my decision, you know. And so for now, uh, what I'm doing is maxing out my retirement every year which I believe for people of our age, 33, it's 19500 a year. Um, yeah, 19500 At least that's how much gets taken out of mine. So I max it out every year. I've been maxing it out for the last three years. And that's, I mean, that's pre-tax money. And I think for me, it's, it's money that's not, you know, it's money not being taxed and it's in your account and it grows over time. Um, I also try to save about you know five four to five hundred dollars a month towards my savings. People want, uh, people say that you should have enough for six months yeah. of rent and everything like that. So I do do that. And um, what else do I do? Oh, and I do play <laughs> the stock market. So uh, what I actually ended up doing was rolling over one of my my 401k into a into a an account where I can play stocks so I've been buying a good amount of stocks lately so I can see that grow um, but but that's just me you know a lot of other people are like oh but I don't have much money mm -hmm. to do be able to do that but honestly if you can you probably heard this multiple times but if you can just save 100 200 dollars a month that will grow and you will like actually you know what the best way to do it is if you have direct deposit just have it automatically have it, exactly. so you don't think about it exactly you don't see it have yeah. it automatically get put into there so you don't see it and so you're basically living off of just whatever goes into your checking mm -hmm. um, and that's what I think financial stability is for me because I will disclose that I do owe about 200 a little under 200 grand in debt for student loans but based off of what my financial uh, financial management and also because my mom um, works in the bank and she's very into, you know, being fiscally responsible, I'm able to travel, pay off, um, uh, still pay $2,000 a month on my loans, have my own apartment, uh, pay for my car and credit card. Like everything is possible and also contribute to my savings. So as long as you're smart about it and just – doing little by little as you can, even if it's, even if it's $50 a month in mm -hmm. savings, it'll still grow over time. And so for me, that's what being financially responsible as an adult is like. So I guess, you know, my question to you is, you know, when you were growing up, were your parents very kind of like, you gotta save, you gotta save, or did they, you know, did they kind of teach you those, you know, responsibilities early um, financially, or did you kind of have to learn it kind of on your own? So growing up, uh, my family was actually really poor. Uh, in the Philippines, my parents were pretty well off, but once they came to the U.S., uh, we were poor. My dad was a pizza delivery guy. 
uh, pizza delivery man for Pizza Hut, and and he also delivered newspapers um, on the bike, old school. And my mom was a teller, a bank teller, making eight dollars an hour. So growing up, we didn't have much. Um, but because my parents were college educated in the Philippines, and my mom did work at a bank in the Philippines, she already knew kind of how to do that. So my mom was the one who taught me. And while I was very resistant to it my whole life, it wasn't until resistant in the sense of taking her advice about, about make sure you max out your 401k, make sure you save, do this. You know, as a person in my early 20s and making making money for the first time on my own, I want to spend that. I want to buy all these things. I want yeah. to go on vacation, go out to eat. Yeah. You know, not thinking that in the long run you're going to have, you need you need retirement. You know, you need to save for your retirement. And it wasn't until, I want to say, the last two to three years where I've really taken my mom's advice and really followed into her steps um, or followed in her footsteps regarding being more financially responsible. So I do credit my mom um, for giving me that knowledge. And I still come to her, go to her pretty much all the time about financials. That's fair enough. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And I guess, um, you know, from where I came from, I think, you know, being taught at a very, very young age, um, you know, just like your parents, my parents were immigrants as well, um, but taught very early on, you know, the importance of a dollar and how hard it is to earn that money. Um, and my parents always told, you know, my brother and my sister to save, 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 save everything. And it's kind of like, you know, what you were saying, you know, when you're a kid, you're kind of just like, I just want to spend that money. Like, you know, what am I saving it for? Because, you know, when you're a kid, you don't think about, you know, 20, 30 years from now. Um, so I would say that I consider myself a pretty late bloomer um, as far as, you know, saving for my, you know, retirement and my 401k or whatever the case may be. Um, you know, I lived with my parents till I was about 25. And, you know, during that time when I lived with them, I didn't really have to worry about anything. Didn't have to worry about friends, buy my own groceries. Um, the only thing that I had to worry about was, you know, going to school, paying for my gas and paying for my credit card bill. Um, and that was pretty much it. Um, so I never really had to worry about managing my money in such a grand scheme of things like how I do now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't really get hit with reality and having to manage any of my money myself until I moved out. Um, so it's been, you know, kind of like I, I wish in a way that I kind of listened to them in the beginning, you know, on, you know, saying, oh, save everything. Um, but now it's, it's kind of like, not overwhelming and stressful, but it, it kind of is because it's like, you know, now that you have your own job, you know, you make what you make and, you know, saving for your retirement and also making enough to pay your bills and pay rent and stuff like that. Um, I think now it's more of like, oh, now I know exactly what they were saying in the past, like, you know, like you, like your parents were saying, you know. Or like how you were saying, you gotta you have at least you know six months of rent ready to go just in case anything were to happen and stuff like that. So, um, but with that, I think you know I moved up here about five years ago now. I think now that I've been hit with this kind of reality and what 
what it really is. It's um, been doing like my parents a decent job of financially being able to like you know pay my rent, you know pay for the things that I need to survive, and also being able to save for my retirement. And I think also didn't know a bunch of these things. Like I knew about a four hundred one k, but I didn't know about like an IRA and stuff like that. And then you know having my parents to come you know, tell me what that is, and it's like, oh, like, all this pre-tax money, it's like, what are you talking about, but now it's like, oh, like, you, you know, we're a little bit older, we have a good idea of what that is, and um, realizing that our parents only want what's best for us, having us not having to suffer or kind of go through the hardships that they went through, in a way. Yeah, and again, this is all coming from kind of a place of you know, in a place of privilege, mm-hmm. uh, my both my parents are college educated, and and uh, we also when we first came to the states, we had family over in over family already here, so my mom was the last person out of her siblings to be in the states. So while so while some some people, some couples, some married individuals, really would have to struggle to make ends meet, we were we were blessed or. Um, we had we had help and that help came from my mom's brothers and sisters who were already here in California so I'm not here to say anything about like oh we struggled as well like we struggled super hard you know everyone has their own story and Mm -hmm. again I my family came from privilege to where in the sense that we were able to come to the states my aunt and my uncles were able to help my parents really start something here in the US and even though yes we didn't have much growing up we still had that support so anything that were to happen we had family members here willing more than willing to help us um, with whatever we needed yeah I would agree um not saying that my parents were super duper rich as well I think growing up we 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 lived very frugally um just because you know my parents came here absolutely nothing and being able to kind of provide for a family put us all through college didn't have any debt um you know really just saved as much as they could to give us a better life but I think also for our the people in our generation it's being able to kind of find that balance of I think well I now that I think about it it's kind of like our parents didn't have a choice they were in survival mode and I think for us in this generation specifically first gen Asian Americans, we have options, we have help, we have opportunities. I think it's being able to kind of find that balance in our generation of being able to live your life because, you know, tomorrow's not promised and also having, you know, that money saved up for if anything were to happen and for your retirement. All right, so next is health and wellness. So I think growing up for me specifically, it was, you know, really focusing on physical health. Um, You know, back then, I personally didn't worry so much about my physical health just because I was playing basketball six times a week. Um, So never really had to think about it, um, you know, exercise wise. And then, you know, living at home, my mom cooked pretty healthy foods, um, always had a protein, a carb and a vegetable. Um, so it wasn't really until maybe college, I kind of started thinking about health and wellness just because I wasn't playing basketball so much. And it was, 
you know, going to school and finding the time to go work out or do something. Um, but now it's like when you're out of school, you really have to think about it and really have to carve out some time to, you know, focus on your health and, you know, finding the time after work to go exercise and at least having to do that and, you know, thinking about what you're going to cook for yourself, um, you know, that's relatively healthy. But I think also when in the time where we are at right now in our lives, it's really also thinking about your mental health. I think that's super important. I think back then for me personally, I didn't really think about it. And now it's really being able to balance physical and your mental health as well. Um, I don't know. What about you? Yeah, I agree. Uh, similar to Monica, when I was in high school, I was pretty much an all-around uh, all-year athlete. I was playing basketball, volleyball, softball, track. Um, I did all of that, and you know, you don't really think about it. You don't realize mm -hmm. actually that you are actually doing time management on your own uh, without without kind of even doing that like calendar, uh, putting that in a calendar or in like a schedule. You know, you're in, you're in class basketball practice or sports practice mm -hmm. or, or games, go home, do homework. At least that was for me. I know there are some of some people out there who didn't like to do homework and didn't do it and just wanted to play sports. But for okay. me, my schedule was school. Uh, practice didn't start until 6. So it was school, homework or nap, uh, basketball practice, then homework. And that was my schedule pretty much the whole year in high school. So without realizing it, I was doing – I was – developing time management skills. In regards to college, it was actually kind of similar still, you know. The gym was readily available. Uh, I went to Irvine, so the the Anteater Recreational Center was amazing. We get we get free entry to that. So it was similar thing like I would either go to the gym first or before class or go to the gym after. And I was also in a lot of uh, in I am intramural basketball leagues. So that helped as well. It really wasn't until after college where things got more difficult. You know, I did have a period where I wasn't really working out. I was eating whatever I want. I gained, I think, maybe 10 pounds. And I wasn't happy, you know. I have, I've grown up with body image issues, even though I know I'm not, I'm not big or anything like that. But mentally, I have body. I've had body image issues, and in some ways, it I still have it to this day. That never really goes away. It's more of how you are willing to change your habits to overcome those things. So lately, I still eat whatever I want, but I do incorporate a lot of vegetables. Um, I most I eat a lot of fish and. I don't eat, or I try not to eat as much red meat, pork, and chicken, but I do it. I don't care. Sometimes I don't care. And, <laughs> uh, but I do love vegetables. Like people think I'm weird for craving salads, but I do crave salads. I love greens. And I think for me, it's eat what you like. And you'll hear a lot of people say it again, eat what you like, but in moderation. Yeah. Um, I also have started to not just only play basketball, but also do uh, high-intensity interval training and incorporate running and strength training. 
I'm very, I'm such a noob when it comes to lifting weights or strength training. So I only do the exercises that I know of or that I learned in these hit, hit high intensity interval training classes, such as berries. Um, so I've incorporated that, especially now with um, COVID. But see what you like to do for fun and just continually doing and just continue to do that. For example, my mom, she's not an athlete, but she makes herself go on 20 minute walks every day or every other day. And if you like to walk, if you like walks, go on a, go on a couple hikes. It doesn't have to be crazy, uh, like workout, sweating a whole bunch. There's this, there's this stereotype that working out involves high intensity, like intense training, but it's really not. It's really not, and I think that's the one thing that I want to try to get into other people's head. It doesn't have to be to the point where you're throwing up, sweating, you know, dripping sweat. Any activity that involves getting your heart rate elevated is more than enough. And I think that's the difference between, like, when we were teenagers. Like, that was the mindset of what I had was if I'm not sweating, like, like crazy I'm not working out the way that I should be working out so I think like you said that trying to get that into people's mindsets um is is that so right and focusing on mental health same thing with Monica that wasn't I don't think that was ever really something to think about when I was in high school you know it's I always saw it as these are just problems that you have to deal with Mm -hmm. but Knowing what I know now, you do need some mental health days, you know, like if especially at least in my occupation, sometimes it gets so draining and you do need that a couple of days or a day where you just want to do nothing and just do things for yourself. And I think that's really important. If you're having anxiety, you know, uh, definitely meditate. Meditation works for some people. Some people it doesn't, you know, essential oils like lavender, peppermint, things that really calm the mind helps um i don't i tried to meditate and i'll meditate sometimes but it's not 100 percent my cup of tea but working out does and not only does working out also help physically but it does help mentally um i do feel a lot better and feel a lot better about myself when i work out yeah and i think for you know mental health like like you said you know you can meditate you can go outside or do something um, but, you know, for myself, it's really journaling. Um, that really helps clear my mind and, you know, not suppress the anxiety, but, you know, m- makes a little bit less for me. It's just funny because, you know, when we were younger, it wasn't really well known of like, you know, your mental health is just as important as your physical health. But now that, you know, it's coming to light, it's really being able to, um, to balance the two, really. Well, it's also our not only our generation, but in Asian culture, mental yeah. health doesn't exist. So when coming from my family who is Filipino and Monica who's Chinese, I'm pretty sure they think mental health, there's we've no never, such thing. We've never had yeah. that. Con- I, I think until recently, we've never had a conversation of, oh, how's your mental health? Like, like you said, it's just non-existent. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I'm sure a lot of Asians have depression and 
to them, they're probably seeing it as it's just life, not not recognizing or realizing that it could be some sort of depression. Um, and mental health is just as important as physical health. And you know, this could be a conversation uh, at a different time, but there is that stigma. And not only in the Asian Asian community and Asian culture, but in uh, a lot of other cultures as well, that there is no such thing as mental health. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think seeing a therapist is wonderful for the mind. People think that, oh, you have a therapist, you have issues. Well, or all of crazy us, or something. Yeah, or I'm crazy, but all of us have issues, and it's nice to be able to speak to someone who is unbiased and... Has just, an outside perspective. Yes, exactly. So lastly is career development. And I think, you know, you kind of mentioned it earlier in this episode, um, how you kind of came to be with what you're doing right now. Well, I kind of, I did touch upon it earlier when we were talking about being being financially responsible, but ultimately I knew I wanted to be in the healthcare field. I just didn't know as of what it was initially. I wanted to be a physical therapist, but I took a position as a physical therapy aide and I liked it, but it wasn't anything that I saw myself wanting to pursue. Then I love women's health. So I was thinking of being a physician, an OB, uh, GYN. But again, I took into, for me, I took into my time constraints and I didn't want to go to school for 10 plus years for it. And so the next step was nursing, nursing. And I was very hesitant and I was fighting my mom because there's that stereotype that all Filipinos are nurses and I did not want to be in that category but you know ultimately I ended up going that route and I wouldn't change it for the world I love what I do and I think a lot of nurses especially the ones that I went to nursing school with would say the same exact thing and again I did start my career journey at 26 until 26 but not to say that you have to start in your 20s. I've known individuals who went to vocational school in their 30s, and they have a great career now. A lot, some of my nursing school classmates were in their 30s, and they already had families, kids. Uh, some were established architects, and they wanted to change careers. One was a teacher, one was a ballet ballet performer for the San Francisco Performing Arts. Like. And they were a lot, they were older than I was. So it's never too late to change careers, especially if it's something that you really want to do. And I think that's one of the main things that I want to push for in this section is because is that you're never too old. Uh, we have nursing school students at our hospital and there was one woman in her 50s. Like it's never too late to change careers, especially if it's something that you really want to do. And I will reiterate that over and over again. You don't have to be 21 to, to know exactly what you want. You don't have to be 18. You don't have to be 30. It could be any age. And I think for me, that journey started at 26 when I decided to go to nursing school. Shout out to Kat for being on the front lines, especially during COVID. So we appreciate what you do. Segwaying into that, but maybe getting off topic. But um, did you ever have, I guess, like that kind of conversation with your with your parents you know, when someone like myself, it's kind of like you 
when we're kind of young in our 20s, we don't really think about stability. We think about, oh, like this is, you know, we're going for our dreams or whatever. Is it, did you ever have that conversation where it's kind of like, oh, I wanted, you know, you wanted to do something, but then your parents are like, that's not stable enough or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's a lot of baggage that you're trying to uh, undo here. But yeah, I did have those conversations, especially with my mom and I think that's just a cultural thing. Mm -hmm. uh, Asian parents, they want you to be in a more stable job. Uh, positions such as a journalist or a writer or someone in the performing arts is a no-no. That's not stable. Or in, like, media or anything. Or, yeah, exactly. So uh, I'll give you an example. I wanted to be a journalist. Um, I love to write. I don't write as often as I should, but I do like to write. And uh, my mom said, what are you going to do with that degree? That's literally what she said. So, yeah, I've had those conversations, and it was a struggle, and I've had conversations with my mom about it now, which have led to elevated voices. Um, but to answer your question, yes, I've had those conversations. But again, I think it's a cultural thing. Yeah, no, I, I, would, I would agree. And I think in, you know, my career, I'm very – I consider myself – like, you're kind of a late bloomer. Um, you know, I went to school, um, college with oops, <laughs> with a communications degree, um, specifically in public relations. And, you know, when I graduated, I had no idea what, what I wanted to do. I was like, I, you know, personally didn't think about it because school really wasn't on my mind. Um, never really cared for it. Not saying I was a bad student, but um, didn't really think too far ahead. Um, so after college, like I mentioned, had no idea what I wanted to do. Dabbled my feet into a bunch of part-time stuff like tourism, um, production, tourism. editing. Yeah. What'd you do? I was at the city of Buena Park. They have um, like a tourism section. Um, that's where Knott's Berry Farm is, if you guys don't oh, okay. know. Um, so really kind of was like a visitor person, whatever the case was. Um, so did that. And then, you know, when I was 25, I was kind of like, all right, Monica, you really need to buckle down and, you know, think about what you want to do and mm -hmm. go for it because you're kind of running out of time. <laughs> and, you know, this is probably another topic, but you know, me at the time – thinking that 30 is this huge number where you have yeah. to have your life figured out. But like I said, that's another thing. But so, um, you know, during that time, I was kind of like, okay, quit my job, my part-time job. I was like, all right, I really need to figure it out. Um, and then that's when I kind of saw my aunt who lived in the Bay Area for her whole life, recently moved to SAC, um, saw her at a wedding, and um, she, you know, she kind of asked me the generic questions of hey what are you doing with your life and it's kind of like I don't know what I'm doing with my life I'm kind of figuring it out right now and you know she was like hey you should just come up to the Bay Area I know people come up for you know give it a try for six months to a year um and see how you like it and see what happens and I was like okay sure why not I got nothing to lose right now there's really you know kind of nothing down here for me or at least nothing was happening and then, you know, God bless my parents who, you know, were who are amazing people and said, you know what, we'll support you. We'll pay for whatever you need until you can you know, get it figured out. Um, so thanks to them, I moved out here on a, on a whim, kind of. 
But I will say, being the type of person that I am, um, you know, if I could find a job before I moved up here, that'd be amazing. So I applied everywhere and kind of landed my first job. And I was like, holy shit, this is awesome. Um, didn't know what to expect because at the end of the day, I didn't really have any quote unquote real work experience. This is my first real job with like 401k and like a salary. Um, you know, when I moved up here, really, really, really living paycheck to paycheck, if I think about it now. And I don't know, I, I still didn't know what I wanted to do. I was just kind of like, you know what, I have a job, I'm going to get work experience, you know, I'll be here for a year. Um, and then that's when kind of events kind of fell into my lap. I didn't expect it. I don't think anyone really goes to school for event management. I mean, you can, but I don't think anyone does. Um, and then that's really where I found a love for, for that industry and kind of what I do. And then, you know, that's kind of where my career has taken me now. And I think with, you know, event management, especially now with COVID and the whole industry being completely flipped on its head, I think, you know, all the skills that I've learned um, throughout my career so far, um, I'm able to kind of really pivot into other things. Like Kat mentioned, it's never too late to figure out what you want to do. I think for the people in our generation, they think that 30 is such a daunting age where you're supposed to have everything figured out. And, you know, when you're 18, you're kind of like, yeah, I'm going to be married and have kids by then and have a stable job. Like, that's not the case. I think it really, everyone has a different journey. Um, and I often try not to compare myself to, you know, like Kat and our and my other friends of like, oh, they have everything figured out, but everyone's different. You just got to give yourself some time and really kind of just go for, you know, what you love to do. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I just do want to reiterate that, you know, we are talking from, uh, from, from a, not a world, but we are talking from privilege, mm -hmm. you know, um, like I said, even though we, my family came uh, to the States when I was four years old um, and making, you know, minimum wage, we did have that support and everyone's struggles are different. So the difference here is that we did have more opportunities and more support than a lot of other people have. And I think that's the difference here. So these are, this is based off of our experiences it's not everyone's uh but i do want to say that you know this is coming from uh an area where you know we weren't my family and i like we weren't doing this alone we did have support which is i think one of the main differences in other people's struggles is because some of them are doing it alone Mm -hmm. uh, compared to here, or at least compared to us, where we did have that, we did have that community, and most of it was family members. Like what Monica said, she came up here uh, by herself, but she didn't come here because, like, on her own regard, she had an aunt who spoke to her and said that we'll take care of everything until you find something. So, not a lot of people have that opportunity. And I will say, I don't think I would have came up here if my parents didn't support me yeah. because I didn't know what to expect. And obviously the Bay Area is one of the most expensive places in the world to live in. And without their help and without them saying, you know, just go for it, you know, I don't think I would have jumped off that mountain. So I guess to kind of end this section and we've, you know, touched a little bit on it, but 
what is kind of the advice that you want to throw out there of, you know, the experience of, experiences that we've gone through of, you know, people maybe in the early 20s, mid 20s, kind of just going through this adulting, um, trying to adult? I think for me, it's take your time. It's, I'm slow by nature, but just take your time. It's never too late to start a career or incorporate something in your lives. I think you can definitely, if you're not someone who works out, go for a walk. That's starting something. Do yoga. You know, you don't have to go gung-ho all the time. And I think that's one of the reasons why people end up not wanting to work out. It's because they go hard the first day and then they're sore for like two weeks. Take it, take your time, whether it's career, whether it's financially. Like I said, I put in my four to five hundred a month, but some people put in a thousand. Some people put in fifty dollars. As long as you're doing that, no matter what small or big amount, that's something. And in regards to your career, again, if you are stuck in a position that you don't like and you feel like you're too old to change careers. At least for me, that's not the case. Like I've said, there was a 50-year-old 50 year, 50 year woman, nursing student, uh, doing her clinicals at our hospital. It's never too late because I've personally firsthand seen it. And I guess for me, um, you know, agreeing with everything what Kat said, but I think it really starts, you know, career-wise, it starts in school. You know, take advantage of all the resources that are available to you. Um, you know, that's why they're there. It's because they want to help you. Um, and I wish, you know, me personally, I wish I did take advantage of those resources. Um, back then, I kind of just didn't really care. I, I was just like, you know what, I'll do what I got to do to graduate. Going off of career rise as well, network, network, network. That is the only way that, in my personal opinion, maybe in my industry at least, is that's how you're going to get your next job. You, from what I've learned so far in my career is that you can, you know, get the grades that you got in school or whatever, but it's your network that's going to carry you on throughout. And the connections that you make is what it's going to carry you throughout your career. And I'd say the last part is don't be so hard on yourself. Mm -hmm. um, I agree. I, I wish I wasn't, and I think you can say the same thing. I wish I wasn't so hard on myself really in my 20s to force myself to really figure it out. Like I wish I was kinder to myself to you know, just say, hey, it's going to take some time as long as you, you know, work hard and, you know, you treat people with respect or, and all that stuff, it's going to come. And I don't think, even now I have to remind myself a little bit of like, oh, hey, you're going to be 30, so you don't have to have everything figured out. All right, that's it for today's episode. Tune in next time as we review Woof's Bar in San Jose. And keep in mind, this is also a pet-friendly milk tea spot, so bring your furry friends. Bye!